0: Lord, it is a joy to be here with you tonight. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it's just God that put this together. And uh, so thankful that God did. And uh, got to see your pastor again. That's been a blessing. And just to see the work here. And uh, uh, thank you for your friendliness. I appreciate uh, everybody. came up and shook my hand and greeted me and just made me feel at home. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, Tonight, church, I wish I could tell you, that there are churches all over America but I can't say that I wish tonight I could tell you that we are doing better than we were 10 years ago but I can't say that either and so tonight I want to take just a few minutes if I may and share with you the tremendous need not in South America not overseas in some foreign third-world country But I want to show you tonight the tremendous need right here in our own country, the United States of America. And as we look at this, I believe number one, I believe we'll come to the same conclusion that we are failing to reach our country. Yes, sir. And secondly, before we can take and complain or murmur about the ungodly wickedness coming out of California and New York and Minnesota and all these liberal places, I believe we're going to have to take and examine ourselves and see that we are failing to reach these places that we see so much ungodliness coming out of today. Maybe if we would have reached them 10, 20, 30 years ago Maybe instead of seeing ungodliness come out of those places, maybe we see churches coming out of those places. But tonight as I share this, this is what we shared during the Besalt conference that we just finished up. Uh, The first night of it, we kicked it off with what we called a State of the Union address. And I want to share that with you tonight, if I may, as we look at this. Uh, I think you'll see, uh, number one, If you turn in your Bible to John chapter 4, I just want to start with a scripture tonight, and uh, we'll speak more of this here in just a moment. But of course, John chapter 4 is where uh, the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. Jesus went through Samaria, there was a whale there, Jacob's whale. And Jesus took and rested at the well. Uh, he sent his disciples to go get some groceries, some uh, meat, some food. And as they were gone, about the sixth hour, the Bible says, the woman, the Samaritan woman, came uh, to the well. Now, it's a little unusual that she would come at the sixth hour because that's a hot part of the day. Most of the time, they come early in the morning. Right. But I believe this woman had a bad reputation. Yes, sir. I believe this woman was not very accepted, even in Samaria. And so, when she came to the well, Jesus took, and uh, of course, the greatest soul winner that there's ever been right. is our Lord and Savior, led her to Himself. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, sir. And, of course, we don't lead people to us. We lead people to Christ. He's the Savior. But he shared with her the truth. And I believe that she got saved there. And then she got so excited about being saved. You remember that? Yes, sir. There was a time when people, of course, get saved, and they got excited and want to tell somebody else. And then she goes to town... I don't believe the disciples knew what she was doing. All they saw was Jesus talking to this woman, and then she left. And then Jesus, of course, uh, uh, is approached by his disciples, and the disciples wanted Jesus to eat some of the food that they had o- that they went and got. Now let me say this. I'm not undermining what they were offering. Please don't think that for a moment. They had invested their time, their efforts, their cost to go get that food and bring it back to Jesus. Can we agree on that? Yes, sir. But then Jesus said, "I have meat to eat that you know not of." Right. Jesus didn't eat the food. Now, I believe he wasn't rebuking them for getting the food. I believe Jesus was trying to show them what is near and dear to the heart of God. Amen. And that is to do the will of God and to finish his work. Yes, sir, In fact, if you ever skipped a meal before, if you've been doing a job or a project, and instead of getting food or lunch or whatever it is that day, you just sort of work through it. What that says is, is that, that I want to get this job done. This work is important to me. And at this moment, it's more important than my physical food. You ever done that before? Jesus says, There is something more important to me than my physical food. Right. And that was to do the work and do the will of God, right. His Father that sent Him. And then we come to verse 35. Jesus is having what I call a teachable moment with his disciples. He is trying to show them, listen, nothing wrong with bringing something to Christ. But I do want to say that there are some things more important to the Lord than other things. Can we agree on that? Yes, sir. And so Jesus is saying here, notice verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, notice this verse lift up your eyes. Now, notice, and look on the fields, for they are already, for they are white already to harvest. Now, a couple of things I want to make mention of this as I go through this. Number one, Jesus said, lift up your eyes. I believe sometimes we as Christians, and I'm talking to believers, Sometimes we get so focused on the less important things rather than the more important things. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. It's a true statement that when we look down, we see less than when we look up. Can we agree? Sure. And so what I believe that Jesus is trying to say right here is to enlarge your vision. Right. Sometimes all we see is our life. How many have ever heard the saying, uh, we can't see the forest for the trees? Anybody heard that before? Sometimes we get so focused on our tree yeah. that we don't see the whole forest. Right. Right. I've had people come to me and say, Brother Sykes, I passed four or five churches on my way to church. And I'll tell them, I'll say, look, I'm glad you do, but it's not like that everywhere. Sure. It might be where your tree is, but let's take in this evening, enlarge our vision just a little bit. Let's pull back and let's look at the forest just a little bit fuller or a little bit more than maybe what we normally do. And do what Jesus says here. He says, look on the fields. Now, a few years ago, I grew some corn out in New Mexico. Now, listen, the soil out there is a lot different than what it is here. It's very sandy. Listen, you don't even have to have a lawnmower in New Mexico. All right? And so I tried to grow some corn. It was doing pretty good for a while, but then I got busy. I went out of town. I was gone for a couple of weeks. I came back, and that corn had gotten brown. Those ears of corn had gotten hard. I would missed the harvest. And notice what Jesus says here. He says, look on the fields, for they are white already, already to harvest. I'm convinced, church, that there are people all across America that not only can get saved, but would get saved if we have more people carrying the Gospel across our great country. Notice what we can find here. In 2011, God put it on my heart to map every independent fundamental Baptist church I could find in the United States. I was just a team of one 10 years ago, and it took me six months to put that data together. Well, when we put that data together, I launched what is now called BeSalt in uh, Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Same place we just had our, our BeSalt meeting. And I met with about 40 different preachers from all walks of life, showed them the data. This was the map that I showed them. And I told them three things. Number one, I said, we are failing to reach our country. Number two, I said, we are losing our influence in America. And number three, I told them this, the Bible Belt is dissolving. Right. Ten years later, just this past week, I met, we had our second Besalt conference there. And I said this, we are failing even more today than we were ten years ago. We are not only uh, losing our influence, but we have less influence today than we did 10 years ago. And I can show you from the data that the Bible Belt is coming unbuckled. It is dissolving. And so this was the map by county. Now, 10 years ago, the county level was about as close as I could get. But 10 years later, we've gotten a lot more technology over the past 10 years, and so what we have done this time that we were unable to do 10 years ago is this time it was a team of about six of us working on this project for six months, and we would try to locate every independent fundamental Baptist church that meets our criteria. They had to be independent, fundamental, King James, non-Calvinistic, traditional worship i 'll be honest with you there 's a lot of churches today that aren 't holding to the old time way right, and so, when we took and created our database this time, what we found is startling. We found just a little over ten thousand churches across the entire United States. Now, listen, one of the things we did was we would go to the websites. More churches have websites now than ever before. We would read their statement of faith if they had one. If they didn't have one, there's. we've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours watching sermons, uh, listening to services uh, to determine whether they that was uh, a church we put on our list. Now, here's some things that we found about our data this time compared to 10 years ago. Number one, there are 301 less churches on our database now than there was 10 years ago. There's some states that have gone up. Notice the second one. 31 states have less churches now that are on our list, our criteria, than we had 10 years ago. We had more churches preaching the gospel 10 years ago than we do now now. In 31 states but now we're we're failing even worse and then there's six states that have lost 25 churches or more in those six states Utah is one of the worst Utah went from having about 60 62 churches that was on our list to now they've got barely over 30 okay And so uh, notice here some of the statistics that we gathered. There are 70 cities across our country that have a population of over 100,000 people and not any, zero churches that are on our list. We are failing to reach America. This report here, this statement, is a listing in order of our reach into these states. Now, let me explain how we got this. We made two assumptions that I know are wrong, but I had to make these assumptions. Number one, we made the assumption that every church that's on our list is a soul-winning church, but we know that's not true, don't we? Secondly, we assume that every church on our list is sharing the gospel with 5,000 people a year. And we know that's not true either. And so this is truly a best-case scenario. And so what does this list say? That, that number one, the most unreached state in our country, is New Jersey. At our best, we are only reaching 4% of that state, if those two criteria are true. And we know they're not. California. So much ungodliness coming out of California, but I believe that we will be judged first. Doesn't judgment begin at the house of God? It does. We're only reaching 4% of the state of California. Notice also New York. We're only reaching, number five on the list, we're only reaching 6% of the state of New York. Minnesota there's been a lot of ungodly liberal wickedness coming out of Minnesota but look at, at our results of Minnesota number 7 we're only reaching 6.3 of that percent of that state at our best if every church in that state is reaching 5000 5, people now let's skip over let's look at number 43 number 43 South Carolina is part of the Bible belt There are a good number of churches in the state of South Carolina. Thank God for that. But at our best, we're still only reaching, notice, 33% of the state of South Carolina. I showed your pastor earlier today that there are eight counties in South Carolina, eight counties, that don't have any solid New Testament Baptist churches. Church, we are failing to reach your state of South Carolina. Can I ask a question right here? Is God pleased with only reaching 33%? To be honest with you, my my best guess is it's closer to about 20%. 18 to 20%. Is God pleased with us reaching only 20 to 30% of the state of South Carolina? I don't think so. And then the best state in the country, the most reached state, of course, North Carolina, some would say that that's the buckle of the Bible belt right there. If North Carolina, if every church is reaching 5,000, then we're still only reaching 45% of the state. Why is that? I'll tell you why, because we don't have enough churches reaching Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, Charlotte, and those larger population centers of the state. That's why. Now, we do have a lot of churches in rural North Carolina. In fact, there is one area that has less than 10,000 people, and there's six churches in that town. But I submit to you, we have got to reach places that don't have the gospel witnessed in those areas. And then West Virginia, believe it or not, West Virginia is the most reached state in our our country. Now let let me share with you by region. A lot of times we try to break this into regions uh, to show you where the greatest needs are, the Northeast region is the most needed region in our country. That's, of course, where New Jersey, New York, uh, Massachusetts, and uh, that, that area is. And it's really because of the population in that area, okay? And so the most needed region here, uh, I've listed uh, the most needed cities the Bronx, New York. Listen, we don't have anybody that'll surrender and say, I'll go to the Bronx. Well, there's plenty of people leaving the Bronx, but we sure need a preacher that'll turn and go toward the Bronx and say, I'm going to reach that city for Christ. Boston, Massachusetts, Brookhaven, Newark, New Jersey, or to, to name a few. The second most needed region in our country is the Pacific. California, Oregon, Washington, and we put Hawaii and Alaska in that region as well. If you notice here, uh, number 48, Alaska is more reached than California. Alaska, uh, 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 Hawaii is more reached um, than Washington State. And so uh, sometimes we'll tell ta- and I'm not saying there's any of these areas that don't have needs every state has at least two towns or cities that need the gospel, at the least. But I'm trying to get us to see church that right in our own country, we're failing to reach America with the gospel. The Southwest, this is the region that I'm in out in New Mexico. Uh, the mo- third most unchurched region, and of course, uh, uh, Colorado. Uh, we need churches in Denver, Colorado right now. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of some of the ungodliness coming out of Colorado, Denver, Colorado. We went and helped a church planner up there that's pastoring two small works on opposite ends of Denver, doing everything he can to share the gospel. Our B-Salt team went up there and knocked about 3,000 doors with him and some others that volunteered to come out. Let me tell you some of the ungodliness coming out of Colorado right now. They have a homosexual governor that wants to make any drug legal up to a certain amount. That's what he's pushing for. Secondly, while we were in Denver... We saw uh, flyers that would show a man holding a little boy's hand. Now, let me tell you, ungodly. And on that flyer, it would say, love is love. And you you can come to the conclusion of what kind of flyer that was. That's what's going on in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, Why is that, preacher? Because we're not reaching these places, church. We're failing. And not only um, Colorado, but Utah. Utah, I'll show you a little bit more about Utah in a moment. Uh, New Mexico, where I'm at, our state just legalized uh, marijuana. Uh, we are probably one of the fastest-growing states right now with uh, these cannabis centers opening up everywhere. Uh, we've had three open up uh, just in my town alone. We're in Deming, New Mexico. Uh, we're a border town about 30 minutes from the, border, the, the line with Mexico. Uh, we're in the top 2% percentage-wise for crime. Uh, a lot of ungodliness in our town. But that's where God's put me. That's where we're reaching people with the gospel. And that's where we're planning the Mount Calvary Baptist Church. Let me just give you an idea of the ungodliness in Deming, New Mexico. 30 years ago, when Charles Manson was still in prison, they interviewed him and they asked this question, Mr. Manson, if you were to get out of prison, where would you go? And he answered without delay. He said, I'd go to Deming, New Mexico, because that's where the devil is. That's what he said. We're in Deming, New Mexico, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that folks will be saved. The Midwest region here, you can see some of the the needs here in Michigan. Um, You can see the number of cities, Uh, that don't have any churches. Uh, There's a population of over 15 million people that will most likely never get an, an invitation or the gospel from an independent fundamental Baptist church. The northwest is fifth, and then the south. Let me show you the south here. The south... Preacher, surely there's enough churches in the South. Well, then tell me why there's 11 cities with over 100,000 people that don't have any independent fundamental Baptist churches. Tell me why there's 838 cities across the South with a population of 5,000 people or more without any independent fundamental Baptist churches. And then, of course, when you put all these population centers that don't have these Independent Fundamental Baptist Churches, we're talking about 15.3 million people that will likely never hear a gospel presentation from an Independent Baptist Church, okay? What are some of the most needed areas? Arlington, Virginia. Listen, we need churches in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, We need churches desperately in Florida. I'm going to show you another one here that I think... uh, I'll put this one by itself because as a national total, if you average all the states together at our best, if every church is so winning and if every church is sharing the gospel with 5,000 people and we know that's not happening, we're only reaching 15% of our country. Church, is God pleased with that? I don't think so. And we're going to be held accountable for what we do. And in light of this, can we now understand why our country is going further and further away from the things of God? Because we are failing to do what God told us to do. He only gave us one commission, one thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're not even doing it in our own country. Now, I'm not saying other countries don't need the gospel. Please don't think that for a moment. But can we agree? Listen to what I'm getting ready to say. If we fail to reach America, it won't be long before we're not sending missionaries overseas. Makes sense, doesn't it? And since we have lost 300 churches in the last 10 years... That's 300 churches that aren't supporting missions. That's 300 churches that aren't preaching the gospel in those communities anymore. 31 states have fewer independent fundamental Baptist churches than 10 years ago. Here's the top five that have lost the most. Utah's number one. They've lost nearly half of them. Now, why is that? I'll tell you. Number one, there are churches shutting down, especially over the last couple of years with the COVID. Number two, there are churches that are leaving the King James Bible and moving toward Calvinism at an alarming rate in the state of Utah. When, I've, when I finished putting this data together, Pastor, I was so grieved about Calvinism that I took the next three weeks and preached on it to our church folks Amen. of the dangers of Calvinism. That's how much it grieved me with the, what's happening. Nebraska, New York, Vermont, and New Jersey. We're only reaching 4% of, of New Jersey, and this is part of the reason is we've lost 20% of the good churches in that state. Now notice this. I hope you can see this, this one here. The red pens and the numbers are towns and cities of 5,000 people or more that have zero independent fundamental Baptist churches in them. So what that means is, is in the state of Florida, that's the south. There are 227 towns or cities that we can't find any solid New Testament Baptist churches. Texas. Can I show you Texas for a moment? There's over a hundred red town cities. The, The yellow pins are towns and cities that have churches, but because of the sheer population, they need more churches. All right? Let me tell you what's happening in Texas. In Texas, over the last 10 years, We are down 30 churches than what we had 10 years ago. 30 less churches in the state of Texas. Now that means that maybe some closed, some have changed, some have gone a different direction, some have dropped Baptist off their name. We don't count them if they're not a Baptist church. And so with that said, we're less 30 now than we were 10 years ago. But here's the part we got to remember. Texas, over the last 10 years, has gained 3 million more people. 3 million more people. So not only are we declining in churches, but population is doing this. And so there's a greater gap now than there was 10 years ago. And that's happening in Texas, that's happening in Florida, that's happening in many of these regions uh, across our country. Look at Pennsylvania, look at New York, look at the, uh, the large number uh, red pens uh, across our country. These are people that need the gospel. Can we agree? Yes, sir. If anybody here uses Google Earth, anybody, anybody ever used Google Earth? Yes. Okay, I got a couple of folks. I've pinned every town in the United States of where we have churches, where we don't. And if you want this database, see me after the service. I'll email you the files so that you can look at this very thing in Google Earth, and it won't cost you a dime. All right. And so here's what I want you to see. This is the northeast, the most needed area in our country. Every red pin represents a town or city of 5,000 people or more that currently does not have any independent fundamental Baptist church. The yellow pins are towns that need more churches. This is, of course, California, Oregon, Washington. Uh, you can't see Hawaii or... Uh, Alaska on this, but they're marked as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, Nevada. There's needs in Nevada as well. But notice California. Listen, we need, we need families. We need preachers that will surrender and say, hey, I'll go to California and I'll plant churches to share the gospel in that state. This is the region that I'm in. This is uh, the southwest and you can see here the needs in arizona new mexico colorado kansas oklahoma and texas when's the last time we saw somebody going to texas to plant churches but it's needed it's needed desperately and of course uh if you look over to the left where new mexico and texas come together There's a city there by the name of El Paso, Texas, that has 800,000 people, and you'll be hard-pressed to find three or four good churches in that city. But let me tell you, church, listen to what I'm saying. Three or four good churches isn't going to be able to reach 800,000 people. And so even if they are out there giving it their best, and there are a couple of them that I know are, we're still failing. And so, notice this, here's Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth has grown so much that it's not just Dallas, Fort Worth anymore, it's the areas beyond the heart of those cities. Here is the Midwest, look at the needs there in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Here is the northwest needs in Nebraska. And here is my proof that the Bible Belt is dissolving. This is the south. Look at all the places that don't have churches that are independent, fundamental, King James. And even in North Carolina, we're failing to reach our country. Here's a look at Florida. 10 years ago, Miami-Dade County was one of our top five most needed counties. It still is. And the area down there where Miami is, church, is so dense of people that there's roughly 10,000 people every square mile in that area. And so literally we could put a church every mile along that Miami-Dade area and still not adequately reach that region. We're failing. Now with that said, I want to ask you this question. What are you doing to make a difference? What are you doing to make a difference? I brought your attention to, uh, of course, John chapter number 4. What time do you want me to finish, preacher? So you saw that slide, church, that said, overall, at our best, we're only reaching 15% of our country. Are we okay with that? No, sir. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not. Where I'm out in New Mexico, listen, we don't have anybody coming. We've got one preacher and his family that are on deputation to come to New Mexico. They're gonna start a church up in the northern part. That's it. We need a dozen right now. And I'm not, I'm not accepting the fact that I'm willing to let people die and go to hell without a gospel witness. We're in the process of planting our third church. We planted the True Light Baptist Church in Las Lunas about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. God blessed that work. We uh, went out there and and God put it on my heart to invite 10,000 people to our first service. Scared me half to death. I didn't know what to do. We got a storefront out there in Las Lunas. Las Lunas is considered a village of about 30,000 people next to an Indian reservation. And so I just did what I knew to do, and that was to invite people to come and share the gospel and let God take care of the rest. And so with the help of several churches over about a two-month period leading up to the grand opening service of the church there in Las Lunas, We did indeed invite 10,000 people. I didn't know what to expect. We set out 60 chairs in that little storefront, and I just begged God to fill them up. And so the first service came, and, and we didn't have 60 people the first service. We had 96 people the first service. 96 people. I had another problem. We're pulling out metal chairs to try to find seats for people. We finally, I, I called the uh, owner of the storefront, and, and thankfully there was a space next to me that was empty, and I asked him if I could use it for a couple of weeks. He graciously led us, and so we shuffled the teenagers and the young people over there, and we went to church. Four people got saved the very first service of the True Light Baptist Amen. Church. Amen. Can I tell you what I attribute that to? It wasn't this preacher. I attribute it to getting the gospel into the hands and ears of lost people. And God did the rest. We went down to turn that church over to a full-time pastor. We went down to Deming, New Mexico about eight years ago. We're still there. And we just did what we knew to do. We went out and shared the gospel, invited people to come We went from a storefront to where now we have our own church building. The COVID years took us down, but we're coming back. We're bouncing back. We've got about 30, 35 that are coming regularly now. We did get down to about 5 or 10. In fact, the governor wanted to try to shut us down. But can I tell you this? How's it work, preacher? You just carry the gospel to the lost. Amen. And give them a compassionate witness that's sincere and real. Are you with me? And listen, if you don't care, they'll pick up on it. And God has blessed. We've seen folks save. Listen, when we first started in Deming, we were in a little storefront. I went down to the Comfort Inn and asked them, and I said, listen, can I, can I borrow your pool? I need to baptize some people sure. They shut down the whole pool for an hour and a half just so we could go over there and baptize folks. And listen, in a small town that gets around. (laughs) Right. And then now we're planning the uh, Baird Baptist Church up in Baird, New Mexico. And because I don't have anybody coming I don't have anybody that I can uh, uh, help with that work I'm going to pastor both of them. Preacher, how'd that happen? Well, the, uh, there was a good church in Baird, New Mexico. Baird is about 2,200 people. It's in the middle of a town on the, the right called Hurley, New Mexico, which is another 2,000 people. On the left of Baird uh, is a town called Santa Clara with about 2,400 people. And we're right in the middle, and we're going to reach those 6,000 people with the gospel. Amen. The church that used to be there was a good church. I've preached there before. The pastor that was there when the COVID came, he shut it down. It's been closed for two and a half years. Last year, I texted him, Pastor, and I said, if you're not going to do anything with that building, let me do something with it. In April of this year, he came pulled into the parking lot, dropped off the keys, and left. I held those keys in my hand, and I said, Lord, with your help, we'll take the gospel to Hurley, Baird, and Santa Clara. It's a mining community. There's a copper mine up there. And I'll do what I can. But can I ask you this? Are we happy with 31 states having fewer churches now? than we did 10 years ago. Are you okay with that? If we just continue to do what we're doing, what's going to change? If we just continue in the same rut that we have been, things are going to get worse. And so I want to ask you, what are you going to do about it that's different? I've already said to myself, I've prayed, I've grieved Lord, I want to accept some of the responsibility of that. And Lord, I want to change. I want to do something more. I want to do something different. Maybe if we get off the video games, maybe get off the TV, maybe we could do something that would redeem the time. Now, I'm not preaching, but I got a little preach in me right there for one or two. We've all heard of missionaries throwing in the towel. We've all heard of missionaries coming off the field, but I wonder how many of us here have tried to intervene. I wonder how many of us here have said, I'm going to do my best to encourage our our missionaries. How many prayer letters have you read this month? How many of them have you called up and, and said, "Hey, I'm not the pastor, but I just want to tell you we're praying for you." It would thrill a missionary to, to, to know when, to know that somebody from a church, other than the pastor checked on me to see how we're doing. And so before we start laying blame to others, let's ask ourselves, is there something more that we can do? Can we make a difference? Can we focus on the United States? Because, listen, I'm all for sending missionaries around the world. I I know we've got to. Please don't go out of here and say, Brother Sykes thinks we ought not support foreign missions. I do think we ought to support foreign missions. But I also want to submit for your consideration that we can support more foreign missions if we'll support more United States missions. If we had those 300 churches back, wouldn't that by default allow us to support more foreign missions? But we don't have them anymore. They're gone. What can we do different? Well, I mentioned in John chapter number 4 how Jesus said, lift up your eyes. And can I ask the church tonight, listen, I know most of you don't know me and that's Okay. If you go the rest of your life and never know who I am, you've not missed much. But can I say this, you've got one shot of a lifetime to make a difference for all eternity. And I believe we could all, if we'll be honest with ourselves, we all could do more. Can we agree on that? And listen, I know there's a lot of things we can bring to Jesus. The disciples, they brought the groceries to Jesus. I know we can bring our worship. I know we can, we can bring our, uh, our revival meetings, and we need those. Don't get me wrong. But I've heard it said that the least attended meeting of the year is the missions conference. But we've got to change that. Right. Can we do more in the way of missions? Can we, can we say, Pastor, let's take a missions trip. Let's go help somebody. Let's go find a missionary that's struggling to reach an area and and let's go come along his side and let's join arms and let's go tell his, his area about Jesus. I believe we can. The disciples loved the Lord, don't get me wrong. They wanted Jesus to partake of that food. They wanted Jesus to receive it, didn't they? And I don't think in any way he was trying to uh, take it and, and reprove them for what they did at all. But I believe when he said, "I have meat to eat that you know not of," I believe he's trying to point out what is priority. Sure. Sometimes we miss what is most important. There was an interview many years ago I forget who it was. It was a, one of the billionaires. And they asked him, and they said, what are you afraid of the most? What are you afraid of? And the billionaire thought about it, and he answered, and he said this. He said, I'm afraid most of all that I'll pour my time and effort and energy and invest in something that really don't mean that much. I believe we need that mentality when it comes to the gospel. Sometimes we can get so focused on our tree that we're not lifting up our eyes and seeing the forest. Are you with me? It's gotten real quiet in here. I believe we can do more. Yes, sir. Lift up your eyes. Listen, we've got to enlarge our vision. Number two, look on the fields. Richard, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say we got to narrow our focus. Right. We live in a day and age, church, where we can do just about anything that comes to mind, can't we? There's so much information out there. We got these little devices called cell phones that we can look up anything. In fact, I remember the days of pagers. How many remember those days? I mean, if you were a pager, I mean, you were pretty big stuff back in those days. I mean, you're talking to somebody, all of a sudden, beep, beep, beep. Excuse me, I have an important phone call I need to make. Boy, we've come a long way since the pager days. But I believe also that we've allowed distractions, entanglements. And at a time when we need to be redeeming our time more than ever, as a whole church, Christians have gotten distracted. Notice, notice Jesus' delight. He was excited about the woman at the well. And we need to have some excitement in the things of the Lord, too. Right. it excites me when a church gets planted it excites me about this church in Bear, New Mexico that's getting ready to have its grand opening service on October the 2nd I'm already picturing in my mind preaching that first service and I hope to do it with God's power and with hope and excitement and that God will fill the house I'm praying that he will I'm so excited about it, I'm already picturing it in my mind, somebody walking down and getting on the altar and getting saved. Amen. Preacher, you believe that's going to happen? I don't know, but I sure hope so. But Jesus' delight is people like the woman at the well getting saved. And I'm afraid that our delights are not Jesus' delight sometimes. We've got to enlarge our vision. Listen, I'm almost done. We've got to emphasize the fields. Focus on the fields. We've got to utilize tools. Let me just say this very quickly and I'll, I'll move on. But listen, plumbers have tools. Electricians have tools. I'm not much of either one of those. And, and sometimes my, my son will help me on a job and, and we'll take a bag of some tools and, 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 and if you're like me, I got every tool in the bag except the one I need. So winners have tools. Sure. Take you, take you some tracks with you tonight. Let's do something different because what we've been doing is not working. Get with your Pastor. I, listen, it'd thrill him to death. Might give him a coronary. Would you come up to him tonight and say, Preacher, God lays it on your heart to do something. I'm in. I'm with you. Wouldn't that thrill your soul? Uh, listen, it, it'd thrill any pastor's heart when the folks say, I'm behind you, Preacher. Let's do something eight counties in the state of South Carolina that don't have any, zero. I believe this church can make a difference. Well, preacher, we just don't have the, the money. We don't have the talent. We, we just don't have the time. That's why we are where we are right now. Sure. Let me say this and I'll finish. Laborers are needed right now. Lift up your eyes, church. Get the forest in view. What God is doing is beyond your church. I had a preacher not long ago, and he was kind of down. He was discouraged. He said, Brother Sykes, he said, one of the best families in my church has surrendered to go to the mission field. He said, I just hate to see them go. I said, preacher, you ought to be delighted to see them go. He said, Ernest Sykes, they're doing so much in our church. I said, pastor, I understand. But there are places that need them more than they're needed here. That's the kind of view we have to get. We have to look beyond our tree and see the forest. Listen, Bluffton, South Carolina needs the gospel. Arlington, Virginia needs the gospel. Eight counties in South Carolina need the gospel. We looked at some of the towns before service tonight and my heart grieves that right here in the Middle South, there's people that will not have An independent fundamental Baptist church invite them to come and worship. We need goers. And what's interesting is is if we'll do the going, if we'll do our part, God is faithful to do His part. God is not a debtor to no man. And let me say it this way, before I was a Preacher out in New Mexico. I was a senior analyst for a Fortune 500 company. If you'll square with God, God is square with you. Yes, sir. God will always, always balance the books. Amen. I was a CPA for 12 years before God called me to preach. But I'll be honest with you: there are times that I've put it down on paper and I'll say, "Lord, I just don't see how it's going to happen." Now that's not faith talking. That's the flesh talking. But I've learned that even when it don't make sense on paper, I'm just going to say, Lord, I'll do my part, and I think you'll do your part too. Baird Baptist Church, let me tell you, we we had to go in weeds this high, get it cleaned up, Fix the outside, the gutters, the fascia, the the eaves, replace boards, paint the outside, paint the inside. But as we have committed our time, talent, and treasures to the Lord, God has committed Himself to us. God is faithful. And, church, I can't help but think that if you'll get a burden, more than a burden, Get an oomph, get a desire to make a difference somewhere in our country. Whether it's supporting more missionaries in the States, or whether it's taking a missions trip and participating in the work, or or getting behind your pastor and say, Preacher, let's do something that's going to count. I know God honors it. And the reason I say that is because I've never in my life, never seen God not honor faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.